0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
1: This is the Book Riot Podcast. It's a weekly news and talk show about what's new, cool, and worth talking about in the world of books and reading. Today's Thursday, May 11th, 2023, and I'm joined today... By the artist form. No, I'm not going to make that joke because it's. You need some prep. I was going to do the the Twitter thing, Kelly, and say, "Are you the mystery guest?" No, but people understand. Kelly Jensen, a book right here with me today, sitting in for backup. So glad to have uh, her join me. We're going to talk about we were just doing before the show that our opening segment is going to be called people have lost their damn minds and that's not even reference to book bannings and censorship kelly no kelly who's, who's no that, not at all that, that that's been going on this is a new kind of people losing their damn minds <laughs> um in in a fun way in a, in a perplexing yeah. way um i think kelly thanks so much for uh, for being here today
2: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I was supposed to sit in for Rebecca a couple months ago, but then I had like the worst week of my life, which is pretty impressive, honestly, given how bad every week has been for the last like six years. Um, (laughs) And Mm. it just didn't happen. So I was I jumped at the chance to to do it this time. And honestly, I I think this this is like the perfect week of uh, stories to talk about.
1: It's a really interesting and wild week. We're going to get to it in just a second. A couple of programming notes. If you're have, if you answering the Book Riot Podcast Patreon or you're already a subscriber and wanted to know, we did release the summer preview draft that's in the feed right now. We're already starting to get votes on who you think won. Um, had someone email today say they thought it was their favorite one ever. I don't know if that means it's especially good. They didn't like the previous ones, but <laughs> at least it's not a low point. At least you're not, people aren't saying it's my least favorite one ever as well. Also, if you wanted to go check out First Edition, Rebecca joined me again at the beginning of May, just last week, to talk about, to do our guessing game of what we thought the It Books of the Month would be. It continues to be a very popular segment, so go check that out, First Edition. There'll be links to all of this stuff in the show notes there. And before we get really rolling, let's do our first sponsor break, and then we'll come back. <laughs>
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publisher of the smash hit Fourth Wing. You'll only cross these blades once in a page-turning new tale of revenge strategy and so many lies. Best-selling Red Tower Books is releasing its next year's read that will capture your imagination and keep you guessing until the end. May Corlin's Five Broken Blades tells an intricate high-stakes tale of five total strangers united in a plot that will test their strength, wits, and courage. Each has their reasons, all have secrets." But while it's easy to portray a stranger, it's not so simple to stab a friend or a lover, okay, in the back. Now these five blades must choose between vengeance and one another. Pick up five broken blades by Mae Corlin for a thrilling, adventurous tale filled with risk, romance, adventure, and Oh, so many lies. The relationships in it are complex and nuanced and involve everything from friends to enemies found in biological family and lovers and more. Thanks again to Entangled Publishing's Red Tower Books, publishers of the smash hit Fourth Wing for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi. If you like pretty things, like I like pretty things, I got something for you. The stunning sequel to the worldwide phenomenon Children of Blood and Bone is now available in a deluxe paperback edition with gorgeous spray-painted and stenciled edges and an exclusive excerpt of the Earth-Shaking Children of Anguish and Anarchy. Now this is a series for you if you like action, you like world building, you like mythology retellings, lore retellings specifically of a West African variety, has all that and more. It was also an instant number one New York Times bestseller, a good Morning America Book Club pick. And now both Children of Bone and Children of Virtue and Vengeance are available in these deluxe editions. They're pretty. They're gorgeous. The finale to the series is coming June 25th this year. So you can get the pretty editions of the first two books and be ready for the last book. You see what I'm saying? So make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Children of Virtue and Vengeance by Tomi Adeyemi for sponsoring this episode.
1: Um, we're going to start with people have lost their damn minds um, in book buying. Um, let's start with the the memoir stuff. So this this happened first, right? This really is over like the last week or so. And people on the show have heard Rebecca and I every now and again will be trolling through the catalog and we'll see some sort of unmarked, you know, to be to be named later title forthcoming that has a huge print run. And the last one we did, I don't even think it's come out yet. It was a Mayor June fiction title from Hachette that we thought was a Colleen Hoover book. And maybe it's turned out to be. And so we were playing the game of what is it. That doesn't usually turn into book sales, this kind of thing. This this happens Mm -hmm. all the time, right, Kelly? This this is not anything new under the sun. This happens all the time. Right. But what doesn't happen is for some reason people lose their damn minds and dot, 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 think that maybe this time it's Taylor (laughs) Swift's book, which (laughs) – I have kids that are 10 and 12, so I know more of the the Taylor Swift catalog than I would of my own accord. enjoy Taylor Swift. I understand she's a phenomenon. What I mostly know is how expensive the tickets are to the concerts right now. That's what the people in my Mm -hmm. circle are aware of. The demand is here. The taste is here. And Kelly, people thought this was Taylor Swift. Why? What happened here? Do you understand this at all?
2: I do not understand this at all. Um, But... It's something to do with so let me give a little background on my knowledge of Taylor yes. Swift. Um, it pretty much comes from TikTok. Like, obviously I know who she is. I know right. like what she's been doing, but um my TikTok feed has just been filled with Taylor Swift since, I don't know, about last year when she announced this tour. And um so I know that there's a lot of fan theories about her and like Lore around certain numbers and certain words and movements that like the fans have all built up whether or not they're like true um you know it's it's a fandom thing that like has yes. built this whole culture around her which is cool um so from what i understand taylor had announced that she's releasing her version of one of her earlier albums on what was it like july 7th and this book publishes july 9th
1: that's so
2: there is a fan theory that this was all going to happen at the same time um and then something about the math of the page count like the book is this is where i really was like wait is this a joke
1: is this a joke the writer was doing
2: no, I, I don't think it is. I don't um, think it is. The the book is 544 pages, which when you add 5 plus 4 plus 4 is 13, um, which is apparently one of Taylor Swift's lucky numbers. Isn't that kind of like a <laughs> lot of people have a feeling about the number 13?
1: But, you know. Um, God help me. I, and that <laughs> they, they made the page count on purpose. They're like, you know what? We got to add a paragraph, Taylor. And she's like, you know what, guys, we really need this to be 544 pages or we need it to be 535. That's Mm. I don't get this at all. So, okay, And then and then and then. So TikTok, people are going they're They're super excited and people want this. And I think, Kelly, I think you are within Book Riot are are connoisseur of the celebrity memoirs of a certain stripe. <laughs> like you, you enjoy these unironically plus ironically, it doesn't matter. It doesn't yes. you like them, you yeah. look forward yeah. to them, you take them seriously. Yeah. And it's not not for nothing Taylor Swift is up there in terms of oh, who yeah. could do this. Like there people are dying for this book. They they just are. They're dying for it. They're dying for the Taylor's Tell All book. They mm-hmm. just are.
2: So honestly the first thing that struck me though and the first thing that should have maybe sent red flags off to like anybody who knows anything is that the book costs $45 to start with. And when you look at the description for it, it says something like photography, photographs, which makes it clear this is less of a narrative memoir, more of Mm -hmm. a pictorial memoir. So I'm thinking along the lines of like that Paul McCartney book that came out. What, two years ago now that was a hundred bucks. I'm thinking it's something Mm similar Yeah. I'm thinking it's something similar to that. And um I don't know. I don't Taylor Swift is popular. There's no question about it. But I don't think she's hit that point in her career where like a memoir is the right angle or a Mm. like photo book like this is the right angle. Um I think that she you know, she's a queen of capitalism. Like, she -hmm. loves her fans, Mm -hmm. but she is also just, like, she knows how to make money. And I don't think that she would do this. Like, I I think that she's savvier than that. She would wait, Um, you know, Mm. rather than try to release this at the same time she's on this mega, huge stadium tour and releasing her own take on an album. Um, Yeah, I just... Timing, you know, the price, the timing, something isn't isn't clicking for this for this to really feel right for her Um, I've seen some folks suggest maybe BTS Mm -hmm. it could be a BTS and that could make a lot of sense Um, you know I believe aren't they doing some shows in the US I'm, I'm not as in touch with
1: I'm I'm definitely not. <laughs> I have a sense of like, you know, it's K-pop and they're huge. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. next sentence out of my mouth would be garbage. I, I don't even know what the next thing to say. I mean, unimaginably huge for me. Like when I was a kid, you're, you're younger than I am. But when I was like 12 or 13, the boy band, as we know, it started with new kids on the block. Mm-hmm. And there was like the monkeys yeah. and stuff before. But like the modern pop singing and dance and not playing their instruments, really packed to mm-hmm. be boy band started. And BTS is like... The, the, I don't know, the viral sensation, global phenomenon version of that. So that's that's all I really know about yeah. it. And what we know about this book, it's a million print run. That's not nothing, Kelly. that's a, this, is, this is a big yeah. title. Oh, this yeah. is not going to be... Whoever this turns out to be, we're going to be like, oh, right? It's going to be someone like that. BTS makes yeah. sense. I, that's what I said. The, people, the thing that jumped out to me, so then what started happening is this gained steam. And I think this is the thing with the second story we're going to talk about. The thing takes on a life of its own where people yes. then want it to be a thing. They want to be a part of the thing. And then what started happening there is where people were putting in pre-orders for this mm-hmm. title that was just called nonfiction title four C from Flatiron. <laughs> and it was starting to become a bit of a problem, I think, for Flatiron and booksellers because look, if it was Taylor Swift, they wouldn't have done some of the stuff they're doing, like say stop taking pre orders. They're starting to put some water on this just through back channels saying They're not saying it's not Taylor Swift, but they are saying it's not Taylor Swift. I I think that's Mm kind of what's happened here. Because I don't really... If you're pre-ordering, are you worried about getting a copy? I guess you want to copy a drop day, Like the real hardcore fans of any ilk, whether whether video games or movies or sports, they want to be at the front of the line. And people were afraid, I guess, that they, it was going to be like the concert tickets. If you weren't there on day one, they were going to sell out to the print run and you weren't going to get it. So it became this thing where there's, I guess, FOMO of a kind started kicking in. Like you wanted day one, kind of fun. And I think there was a conspiracy part of it. Obviously, if, if 5 four, 4 equals 13 was enough to people going, there's like a conspiracy <laughs> theater, let's have fun on the internet part of this happening. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be Taylor Swift. I think you're totally onto something I hadn't thought about. It's like this is not the highest and best use of her first big book, right? Right in the middle of the no, summer. Right. You know, there's not a new album or anything coming out. She's doing this thing where she's re releasing these old albums because of a, a, a contract. Well, mm-hmm. let's call it exploitation, I think is probably the fairest thing, as I understand that thing at all. She would be doing this either in a fallow period between albums or in anticipation of a new album coming or something else coming mm-hmm. out. In the middle of the tour, does seem weird because she's not gonna be able to do events for this like a taylor swift memoir right. she's got she's got juice and she's not afraid to squeeze it kelly this is what we've learned right, about her. right yeah i just i and think like, you're absolutely right this is not how it's gonna happen
2: yeah i mean she is very smart very savvy she's got a smart team behind her you know i don't imagine that there won't be a taylor swift uh memoir yeah. at some point it's not it's not right now
1: it's not right now it's not right. She's in the middle of the story, right? I mean, the comps yeah, that this yeah. salesperson was giving, is like, here's, here's the quote. This is not a political book. It is a fun, <laughs> celebratory title and will skew slightly younger, but it's for people of all ages. This has global appeal and will have massive publicity. I would comp this to Flatiron's Matthew Perry memoir and a little bit to Spare by Prince Harry. Do you read anything you know, in that second comps of just like giant sellers? Like, I don't know what to do with those two things. Like, they're memoirs? S- with a yeah, little bit of a tell-all, a, so like a BTS celebration thing, maybe doesn't quite fit that. I don't know. I, I'm confused about that bit.
2: But I'm still, I'm still stuck on the forty-five dollar price point and the yes. fact that it's categorized as photograph, photography. So it's not going to be a spare. It's not going to be a Matthew Perry memoir. No, it's going you're right. To it's a wrong price, wrong more, format.
1: It's yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you're it,
2: right. You know. So I think something like BTS would make sense. Like the other one that jumps out of my head, um, I don't know why, but maybe it's a Taylor Swift connection, is John Mayer. Um,
1: oh. Hmm. Although how funny would
2: it be if all the Taylor Swift fans <laughs> accidentally pre-ordered?
1: Unbelievable <laughs> troll by the Mayer. mayor camp. <laughs> Unbelievable right. troll.
2: Right. <laughs> um, I, I don't think hmm. it will be. You know, I, I was thinking about this too. I was like, who... Who is younger, younger has kind of that celebrity Global
1: appeal. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. My my very first thought after BTS was something like a Jeanette McCurdy, whose memoir did Gangbusters oh. last year. But but again, price and format isn't right.
1: No. And the comp is screwing me up because the prose is fun, celebratory title, and then the comp sort the Matthew Perry. Perry and Harry, those are not fun celebratory things. No. I don't get that. No,
0: they aren't. Th- those are tell-alls
1: I... that, you know, they're wizened. I guess, as maybe put it charitably. They've got some stuff to get out into the universe. There's a little bit of sourness and, well, maybe sharpness, let's call it that way. There's sharpness to both. But I wouldn't call either them fun or celebratory, so there's some—one of those things is going to be wrong. It's going to either f- skew mm-hmm. fun and celebratory, or it's going to few memoir. I think your $45 in format for talk- does bode well for, like— it's an entertainer of some kind maybe that's maybe that's mm-hmm. table stakes at some at this point but 45 dollars is trending towards coffee table book it's yeah. o- almost like a coffee table book i think you're 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 smart to hi- highlight the paul mccartney thing a musician like a tour a slightly younger is really screwing me up though and the, now this is the other thing that you are completely keyed into and just looking at a different why is it secret right now july's not that far away yeah. we're less than 2 months away and we already know about this Britney Spears things it's going to be a huge tell all it's going to sell a million copies mm-hmm. you yourself are going to buy 5 to 10,000 copies just to keep yes, it in your house correct. just to have. <laughs> and so what's the virtue of keeping it secret where the Britney Spears kind of model and even the spare model the Matthew Perry we knew those things were coming months ahead of time they were in the catalogs. Right. I don't I don't understand that part of it either because you would like. I mean, maybe this worked. Maybe they built the hype. I, I think they got more of this. They got more wood of this than they wanted to. I, I don't think they were looking to have this kind of thing go on with this. I don't. I, I, there's something fishy about this, and it's either going to be a real surprise on the whoa side, or it's going to be a real surprise on the oh side. Uh-huh, a million. Uh-huh. A million's a lot, but don't you think a Taylor Swift? Memoir again. We don't think it's that, but that's what people seem to have thought. That's kind of a print run of more than a million copies. It just yeah,
2: means. absolutely. Yep.
1: Mm-hmm. So as big as that sounds, I don't think that's big enough. And slightly younger. Yeah. It's not a politician. AOC is. I mean, AOC. I was thinking, like, what politician might do it? That's not right. She's not going to sell mm-hmm. that many copies. It's not going to be forty-five bucks. I don't know enough. It's it's. It, Maybe that, I'm anchored that, on Taylor Swift as a musician, but I could be wrong about that. I could be wrong.
2: I think that the bit about the global appeal is yeah. also, you know, worth highlighting who has that
1: sort of reach. Um,
2: yeah. But Wouldn't BTS time,
1: have a bigger print run? Don't you think BTS would have a bigger print run? Yeah. Or is this only for America? I don't think so. That could be the only thing, too. Maybe it's bigger in um, elsewhere. You know, I don't know how Macmillan, this Flatiron's imprinted Macmillan. I don't want Macmillan's asian imprint does or how the all yeah is that included here is that the own separate thing but i would think that might be even small but for 45 it's a real it's a real strange one it's a real strange yeah. one um let me see other guesses anything else come to mind i welcome them all podcast at book riot.com. i'm not sure when this is going to be announced <laughs> yeah. so you may have to get your guesses in relatively soon i can't come up with a movie star i can't do it
2: yeah i I can't either. I've like go- been going over in my head, um, and then the other thing I thought, which wouldn't make any sense, is would it be some kind of um, tie into the Hunger Games? Except wrong publisher, yeah. so they wouldn't, you know, wrong publisher, um,
1: right?
2: Yeah, it wouldn't wouldn't do. But I, I'm so out of touch with any like younger celebrities, right. any younger right. B names, uh, big names, except PTSD. <laughs> Um So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah,
1: slightly younger than Matthew Perry or Prince Harry could be quite. I mean, you wouldn't have to be naturally young to screw slight, skew slightly younger to that cuz like when Rebecca and I and I think we, we tagged you in on Slack when we were guessing or thinking about like who are the top 5 draft picks for celebrity memoirs. If you're just looking to move units, right? Not necessarily we're interested in, but like if they really wanted to open up the, the closet and let the skeletons fall out, I think we Rebecca and I both mentioned Taylor Swift. I think we both mentioned mm-hmm. Beyoncé. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we both mentioned Tom Cruise for reasons that I think are obvious and will never happen at the same time. Mm -hmm. But outside of that, I'm not sure who does like, you know, the Janelle Monae's of the world, maybe. I mean, or Rihanna has a huge following. Mm -hmm. It would have to be someone like that. I think Taylor Swift moves more units than all of them, maybe, maybe short of Beyonce. I think, I don't know, that international thing is interesting. And BTS... As far as international groups go, like, that's where my knowledge stops. So if there's a smarter guest than BTS mm-hmm. out there for international pop or rock or whatever else it might be, um, you've got this. But you're right. I, 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 I mentioned to someone, I was like, the $45 one was the one that stuck me. And you were mm-hmm. we were picking up on the same vibe there, too. Um, so you have Brittany coming out in the fall, Kelly. Your own personal list. I didn't prep you this for this at all, so this is a little unfair. But that's what makes for a fun Uh-oh. podcast. This is what I do to Rebecca all the time. So if you're going to sit in for, her, you really have to sit in for. Her. Okay. I give okay. you three wishes for celebrity memoirs. Oh. And Ooh. they're not going to be anodyne. Whatever. They're going to be. They're going to be the real juice within reason, right? It's not going to be truth serum or something like that. But within reason, Prince Harry, like whatever you want to say about that he didn't he he wasn't trying to play nice. So this is not a play nice these aren't play nice books. You're going to get as real of a story from these people as you're ever going to get. Kelly, does anyone come to mind or is that too too many, too few? What where, where would you both,
2: go? Both both at the same time. Um you know, I I will be honest and say that I feel like my wish list of celebrity memoirs has been um, surprisingly fulfilled between oh, okay. the Jessica, between the Jessica Simpson memoir we got a few years yeah. ago, which was excellent, um, the Paris Hilton memoir which came out this year, and I have not seen enough people talk about was excellent. I'm getting my Britney book this year, which I yeah. hadn't anticipated. Um, you know, I, for me, I think what stands out about these particular ones and what makes them so appealing to me is that. You know, I grew up when they were the hot young stars, mm-hmm. and they were only a f- they were only a few years older than me. And at the time, they didn't have the opportunity to share their story. The only thing we ever got to know about them was what the press was sharing about them. And this came at a time when we really hated women. I mean, we still hate women, but we really hated women, and we hated young, especially
1: young, successful, attractive women. blondes that were dancing around <laughs> doing stuff. We did we did not do yeah. right by them, and still don't, but
2: yeah um and so oh i did think of somebody i'll come back to that in a second um so uh, i've loved hearing their stories you know how much uh, how much is truth how much is what they've processed since that time i don't really care i want to hear their side of the story and i want to hear it Mm -hmm. in their voice or you know the Mm -hmm. ghostwriter of their voice but you know somebody like paris hilton one of the things she brings up in her memoir that like really stuck with me was how the media never talked about the fact that she's a very savvy business person that it was all about her partying and her bad behavior but never about the business ventures that she mm-hmm. took on the ways and and the way she built her brand and You know, as an adult looking back on it, it's like, wow, you're right. They never did that. They never talked about the horrible experiences she went through at this um, school for bad kids, this reform school, and how once she got out, like, she made it her platform. She has made this such a huge part of Mm. her career and her giving back. And we don't hear that kind of stuff. You know, we just hear about the misbehaving, whatever you want to do with that. Um, but the person I thought of that I'd love to see one from is Lindsay Lohan.
1: Oh, there you go. There you go. That's that's exactly right because it's a similar mold, right, of someone who was mm-hmm. treated as one-dimensional and no one is, no one is one-dimensional mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and went through some stuff, right? Yeah, and so you get, and, you get to see the other dimensions and come out on whatever the current looks like. Yeah, it's a very good comp to Brittany. I mean, it's as close on the film side as you're going to get. I would think very similar ages, very similar timelines. Um,
2: there was a a story, I guess maybe ten years ago now, about her filming one of her comeback roles, and it was it was New Yorker, The Atlantic, one of those sort of publications, mm-hmm. and it was this like ten thousand word story about her being on set of this particular film, I want to say it was like The Palms or something like that, but that might not be right. <laughs> okay. um, right. And, and, like, this was the most compelling reading. I I mean, I remember it this far on because I was like, wow, um, she seems like she's a handful on set, you know? But yeah. how much of that was the framing of the story versus how she was being treated and needed to react? Um, mm-hmm. Especially because she... She grew up in a you know terrible situation, and so she's carrying who knows what yeah. trauma and experiences. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's my my wish list because Brittany's already taken care of. So she got you. Uh, she got we got going.
1: our our nineties 90s, our nineties um, fallen and resurrected idols. We kind of got a lot of those. The one I keep thinking about, and, and Lohan makes me think of it too, is musicians have their own kind of platform different than Hollywood because they don't need to get cast in movies, right? So so mm-hmm. Taylor Swift or Britney or Paris Hilton because she has a business career and family money, she doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about getting cast in the next Marvel MCU movie to make her paycheck and keep her career going because I continue to be surprised that with everything that happened with Me Too and Hollywood and Harvey Weinstein, we we didn't get an actress telling all in a big book way, right? And I understand why because mm. you have to get cast by Paramount. If you... You can't build your own bridges, right? Like Taylor Swift can go mm-hmm. on tour or Beyonce. You're within that studio system. Film and TV are so intercollected, and I'm doing air quotes about collaborative, right, as we're seeing from the writer strike and other things, that you are incentivized. And I don't blame anyone for this. They're doing the right thing, let me be clear about this, to keep their trap shut so they can continue to work, right? It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not about NDAs or things. It's just like, is my career, am I going to be ring-lard right, blacklist from the from the six fifties and sixties if I really tell my stories because there's we know there are stories out there. Like what is the Gwyneth right. what does the Gwyneth tell all really look like? I bet it's completely different than we would think. Right? What is the you know Jennifer or a current Hollywood star, actress, who's still subject to this stuff like Jennifer Lawrence or somebody else like that, because that stuff is alive and out there still and Weinstein's going Weinstein's going to jail but I don't believe for one second that was all the story and that it's over and that we heard all the mm. how bad it really was. And maybe it's gonna take someone saying, Screw it, or getting to the end of their career, or changing fields, or something else like that. Because the Je- the Jeanette McCurdy thing was is that's the tip of the iceberg. That was really the tip of the tip of the iceberg. And that's not someone even that famous, frankly, in the wider world. And she mm-hmm. still had all kinds of stories. So I don't I don't know who I'd pick from there because we don't know enough about it. But there would be some, you know, Charlize Theron. Think of what her careers look like over the last twenty-five years. She's seen it all. But we mm-hmm. just don't. you know, Those stories aren't going to come out until they've got nothing to lose. Um, anyway, that's you know, my um, that's my mini rant.
2: I will say that the Weinstein stuff came up in the Paris memoir quite uh, oh, yeah, a did bit. It. Okay, but I I think part of the challenge is that these. People who are who are writing these memoirs don't want that to be their whole story because uh, totally that's fair. not their yeah, whole totally story, right. you know. Yep. So it's it's tricky. It's tricky finding that balance between like sharing that because it's important to share that and it's the truth, but also you know Paris saying like for so long I've been this subject of ridicule and I've worked hard. I have this career. Yeah. I've built this business. Um, these things also happen to me, but like that's not. My three hundred page memoir. Oh yeah, that's fair, it was, yeah. you know.
1: Right. Yeah, like the Rose McGowan version, which is maybe directly about that makes mm-hmm. it directly about that or something like that. And I that's not what I'm looking for. I don't want to puriently. It just feels like there yeah. are stories that still can't be told for all the reasons you said. One is like, you know, then this can be the single story, but also the stakes are so high. Um you're already subject to so much whim in Hollywood that the stakes are just extremely high, and I, I don't blame anyone, of course, for not doing it, but in terms of like mm-hmm. what's st- what kind of tell-all celebrity memoirs are out there, they, they may never happen. I was just reading about Smokey Robinson has a new album out. I don't know if you followed any of this, but he started um, telling some tales <laughs> of his earlier life in Motown that were stunning. Um, and there's, you just you just know there's stuff out there all the time. Anyway, okay, so Kelly, we're going to check back if we knew the Britney book <laughs> comes out. Um, and see, Oh yeah. um, are you taking PTO that day? Are you, are you going to get into a hyper, you know, one of those sensory deprivation chambers and listen to it on audio? Have you gamed this out at all?
2: I, I gotta wait for the pub date to kind of figure out okay. what I can do with there it. You go. Um, yeah. but I mean, it's, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it, put it above myself to take some time off with, I with that book. Smart. Um, yeah, I, uh, I can't wait.
1: <laughs> if only there were like, if only there was, there should be some sort of audio way that doesn't copyright infringe to like do a read aloud. Like what about like a, a nine hour live reading with commentary? That, that should be a format. I don't think yes. anyone's tried that yet. Yes. That would be pretty good. <laughs> um, let me do our second sponsor break because we really got our teeth into that one and we'll come back and talk about the other people have lost their damn minds um, story of the week <laughs> after the next sponsor. I think, Kelly, the other reason I needed to have you on is because you today are going to reveal that you are indeed the person behind the Twitter account, um, the Trigun anime Twitter account, Bigaless Dickaless. I'm not joking. I'm sorry I had to say that out loud to all of you listening. I hope that Apple censors don't flag that as explicit content. But I was telling I was telling my partner, Michelle, about this, Kelly, and she looked at me as if I had hit my head on something, or maybe she had hit her head on something, it made no sense to her. I'm going to try to tell you, and, and by telling you, or, or talk to you about what I understand to happen as a way of understanding to the listeners, and then you tell me, was I right? Was I wrong? What did I miss? So, here I go. Okay. A few days ago, on Twitter, <laughs> there, there is an account, the username BigalusDigalus, <laughs> <laughs> which don't it just is what it is don't think of it as a cipher for anything that's just what it is and the profile of this person says 22 year old and they have an they have a custom anime profile picture and mostly what they tweet about is trigun which is an anime series that's their
2: From,
1: like, 30 years ago. Yes. This is like like tweeting about the G.I. Joe Saturday morning cartoon I watched in 1989. Like, it's that kind of, like, very specific. There's a passionate fandom, but it's not about books. It's not Mm -hmm. about anything we would normally cover. And they had, of that moment, had, you'll notice, the the past tense I'm using, at that moment, about 14,000 followers, because I saw this happening relatively early. And they wrote a tweet posted a tweet, tweeted out a very impassioned recommendation for a book called This Is How um, You Lose the Time War. And we'll get back to this in a second. It's a a science fiction fantasy book that came out in 2019. I think I talked about it as something I was looking forward to back then. I don't know. I don't remember. I, I like the book. It's really good. And it turned into a viral sensation that has propelled that book to the top Upper echelons on Amazon and other place bestsellers lists. It's like the number three best selling book in the country, behind it's it's oh, the, where the places you'll go season. So it's number one right now. If you've listened to the show before, you know it's May, January through May every year. That's the best selling book of the year, and then it falls off. But it's up there. It's up there with the Mother's Day book. It's outselling Demon Copperhead, which won the Pulitzer Prize. Spoiler word. It's going to talk here about, about here in a second. The audiobook, <laughs> the ebook, and it went nuts. It went nuts on Twitter. Mm -hmm. And Kelly, that's it. That's the story. I don't understand what happened. I don't know why this particular people tweet about books all the time. What the hell, Kelly? Like literally what the hell happened? Because that's as far as I know, that's it.
2: The very first thing when Danica, one of our coworkers, shared this story was, I said, am I supposed to know who this person is? And they said, no, "No, that's the whole point. And I was like, oh.
1: That's right. That's right. You know, so that's I, the story. I had this moment.
2: Yeah, yeah. And uh honestly, as I've watched this and I check in on the bestseller list quite a bit, it's still hanging out there. Um mm-hmm. but all I can think about is I'm so glad that the main character on Twitter the last week has been for <laughs> this. You yes. know, usually it's a bad player. Usually it's yes. something people are mad about. This is a positive tweet by this person that you know, has a passion for old anime, tweeted about one book, and all the tweet says is, read this. Do not look up anything about it. Just read it. It's only like 200 pages. You can download it on Audible. It's only like four hours. Do it right now. I'm very extremely serious. That's it. That's the whole tweet. That's it. Um, That's the whole tweet.
1: <laughs> so... <laughs> Is there anything here other than sometimes random crap happens? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I don't remember a story I, I, like this. I have to admit that happened so fast, like in the three-day period. Like mm-hmm. the McCurdy, the Colleen Hoover, yeah, those are slow burns, right? Especially for a backlist title. Sometimes something comes out, you know, Lessons in Chemistry. That's within the last year. That's the, like I don't, I don't know what I'm looking at. This is like, is there anything to learn? Because now all the Twitter publicists are like, yeah, you know, one person can do what marketing can't.
0: And I think that's
1: completely the wrong reason. I think this is the exception that pro- proves the world. And I, I would, my inclination is to close-read the original tweet like it's the Zapruder film, because I think everything had to work in this person's favor, in this tweet's favor. I think, and it shows how hard it is. This is actually how hard it is to market books. I think it's actually the opposite of what people think. Like, all you have to do is tweet it out. And I'm going to run my theory by you, Kelly, and you tell me what you think. Okay. A, is that it matters that this person has a micro-influencer community. That's mm-hmm. one. That's one. I'm going with that. Two, that is at least orthogonally related to science fiction fantasy, right? Mm-hmm. Three is that um, the particular qu- wording of the tweet actually enacts what people want to know. It's under known, right? This person mm-hmm. says there is something to this don't look anything up about it it's like a mystery box I think that's very intriguing and four that it's short is very interesting is mm-hmm. it got a good t- the title I always thought was awesome how to lose? this is how you lose the time war I thought it was awesome at the very beginning I think all those things matter but then the secret sixth thing is sometimes stuff happens and if this tweet mm-hmm. happens twelve hours later or earlier I think there's a chance this is nothing am I wrong what do you think of my general unified theory of what happened here
2: so i think you've nailed it and i would add that i also think the fact that there is not a link here that this person did not link to something yes makes a difference particularly in how twitter works right now you tweet a link out it dies in the algorithm this does not um this feels like though it is not let me emphasize it is not clickbait but in a Mm -hmm. very specific kind of way. And yet there's no thing to click. It's, you know, there's nothing being sold here. And so I think that that, uh, with the advantage of the algorithm, like, did that. Um, I think timing is everything. You know, it came, it hit at a particular time where people saw it. And I, I think it helps, honestly, that, this isn't some book influencer or somebody totally. who talks about books. Yes. Um, yes, you know, I I find like oddly when I talk about things that are not books or reading, sometimes those things like take off. I had this tweet:
1: "Man bites dog." It's "Man bites dog" from that that source. Yeah. you know, they're doing something different.
2: Yeah, you know, I I tweeted about kids shorts uh, maybe a month ago and like buying girls shorts and how short they are and. Oh, I had to turn off the tweet because I couldn't handle it anymore. Um, So I can only imagine what Biggles Dickalus, I had to say it, Um, (laughs) (laughs) is feeling about this. But at the same time, like I've gone in and checked in on that Twitter account a couple times and it's just Mm -hmm. been like the pure celebration and joy of sharing a book and having it do so well. I think it's also something just we Mm. as people have been so sucked into so much negativity and trauma and, you know, Mm. you name it. This is not that. This is the opposite of that. And I think, you know, it gives the main character energy that we're all looking for right now.
1: (laughs) It was the Hugo Award winner for Best Novella, and it won the Nebula and Locus Awards for Best Novella. This is not... In the science fiction fantasy world, an under thing, right? Again, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's, a sub, it's a niche within a niche to be a novella within science fiction fantasy. But this isn't something really weird and off the shelf. And, you know, this, mm-hmm. this got a moment to shine when it came out. Yeah. And like most things, they don't. I think sometimes that things happen, get... Kelly. I mean, that's the other thing. Sometimes things happen. And it's like saying, well, sometimes people win the lottery. Does that mean you go, buy, go out and buy lottery tickets? Well, probably not you know it, right. i ju- i just don't know
2: i i also think there's something to be said here about so much and and we do this too there's so much focus on what's new what's shiny that we mm. forget that sometimes the best word about a book doesn't matter about when the book comes out it's that this right. is a good book this is a good story read it um it's yeah. short it's like only four hours and like only 200 pages, you know, mm-hmm. and there's no like, this is new. You need to check it out. This is shiny. You should check it out. This is an award winner. You should check it out. It's just like, don't look up anything about it. Just read it. And something about that ap- is appealing, you know?
1: Yeah. Well, they're putting a lot of their own personal stakes into, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Just go read it. Don't even look like, I, really, there's, <laughs> it's almost like a, that's like the purest form of recommendation, because you're not even mm-hmm. recommending that you go consider this thing. It's a do not consider it. I'm skipping the part from, "Hey, have you heard about this? It's great. Here's what it's about. Go see if it's for you," which is what I would normally do, right? Because I'm so particular about like not all books are for all people and if this is for you. Mm-hmm. But this was like, I'm push- pushing all of my recommendation chips in the in the middle here because as A, this is not something I normally cover, and B I'm saying just do it purely based on my whatever, you know, cultural currency I, or personal currency I have with you. And this person had enough and maybe one of the people that follow them have a little more juice, you know, I don't know if someone who can get into the algorithm and what's publicly available can see like there are a couple other sub-influencers, maybe people that follow this person have more a bigger following and they start retweeting and reacting it. Frankly, Kelly, I wouldn't be surprised if for whatever reason this snuck through the algorithm right? That Mm -hmm. something was broken, because God knows Twitter is like, you never know what's broken on a given day. Oh, yeah. And Mm -hmm. this one could have slipped past the goalie. We would see this on Facebook. We do see this on Facebook every time. It used to be more, but even post-algorithm guillotine in the summer of 2013, something would go nuts on Facebook that that made no sense. And I think it was just Mm that the algorithm got tired and took a breath and looked the other way and something (laughs) slipped through. And it could be as simple as that. It could be that this is The algorithms and the code and these platforms so have their thumbs on the scales that every now and again when they release it or it doesn't work quite right, we see what's possible with true sort of like the virality that used to happen. And I think that's another thing here because Oprah can't do this anymore because she uses it all the time. Mm -mm. Jenna Bush Hager can't do this. Reese can't do this. Their monthly book clubs do not do this. For the reason you said before, it's like people are kind of used to it. They're kind of inoculated to Oprah being excited about something because she's excited about something every month. And almost mm-hmm. because she, there's a structure to it, she's like, she kind of has to pick something. Well, Oprah no longer anymore because she got off the monthly thing. But like there's something to the s- rareness of the recommendation that matters. And if you cover books, if you work in books, you know, if you're a publisher or a media company like us, you can't be like, yeah, let's cover shoes for a year so we can send one tweet about a book next year and it goes nuts. Like, <laughs> it doesn't work that way. But right. I'm staring at this as like, I think you just have to say, like, this was a weird one. It was a meteor. I don't, this is non replicable. And I don't even think mm-hmm. it's parsable. I, even, even with all the reasons I gave, I think that the ghost in the machine here is the most important part. And I have no idea what that is. I really don't. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. All right. It, let's see. It's Anything the feel else on good the story,
2: way? though. I, yes. I was just going to add, it's, it's the feel-good story, I think, that we all needed and have just enjoyed watching.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, all right, Kelly, I'm going to let you drive the bus here a little bit because we have talked about your coverage of book censorship and banning across the country and across <sighs> Jesus, um, you know, from, <laughs> from an individual class syllabus all the way up to state and federal legislation. It um, doesn't get any bigger than that. We have you on a week when there's a little bit of good news in this world, <laughs> which is maybe mm-hmm. misleading, and I'm being very generous to that yeah, world. Yeah. I, I want to talk about these specific read-to-write bills, but then I would like to ask you a couple of more general questions about where we are, where things are going um, with that. So let's start with the good news. Can you tell me about what what's going on with these read-to-write bills? Uh, or let me put it a different way. Is this as good as it feels like? It's It's not good that we need them, but... This is the best news we've had in a while, these read-to-write bills, right? Am I wrong about that on this front?
2: Yes. And it's so hard to say this is good news because it's a thing that needs to happen. And I'm so torn on it because I also – and I know saying this is not going to be popular, but I'm going to say it like I don't know the constitutionality of some of these, how – much the oh, see what you're mustard saying. Yeah, gotcha. Um,
1: right, right, right.
2: So it's good. They're making strides. And I think that the big takeaway we need to have – I'll explain what they are in a moment. But I think the big takeaway we need to have is that there are politicians who are paying attention and that mm-hmm. the more we get in their ears – the more attention this gets. Because I think that there's still a giant gulf between what people who are working on the ground in libraries and schools are experiencing firsthand versus what people in administration understand is happening versus people in legislature understanding what's happening. Um, yeah. And and I I repeat this because I think it's really important that most people don't know what's going on because most people are not sitting online keeping in touch with this. Um yeah. nor should they, you know. There's no reason for them to be. Mm-hmm. And we can we could put a lot of the blame too right on the media. You know, newspapers are dying. They've been dying yeah. for decades. And the
1: locality of it is important, right? This is something you've highlighted, mm-hmm, right? Like mm-hmm. these happen in specific rooms and specific places, yeah. often in specific counties. Far from the long reach of a national of national coverage right right and
2: and even when we do get national coverage, it's not great um
1: mm-hmm. you know,
2: I know from personal experience that n p r reached out about a story and interviewed me and interviewed several other people who I work with closely on book band stuff, and didn't include any of our comments in the story because it didn't fit her narrative and yeah. that was such a Slap in the face. Here we have this opportunity to finally have a big national platform to explain what's going on and to give people direct actions for how to make change. And absolutely none of it was included in the story, um, you know. And so when you talk about it's a failure of the news, it's a failure on the news from the local level to the to the national level, and mm-hmm. and really at the local level, it's particularly particularly sad because there used to be people who showed up to all these meetings who their job was to go to the school board meetings and report on what's happening, whose job was to go to the library board meetings and report on what's happening, you know, but those jobs don't exist anymore. So that coverage doesn't exist anymore. And therefore people don't know what's going on. Um, Mm. And if they do, it's because they're part of a group that is choosing to read minutes in one way and interpret it in whatever lens they want to interpret it. Um, mm. So, you know, you get you get caught in people who need to know, don't know. How can they know? How can we be mad that they don't know when they just right. can't know? Um, so that aside, there are a number of promising, though, again, with the caveat, I think that they're going to be challenged were they to get all the way through um, right to read bills. Yeah. And we have three in three different states. And then we have one, I would say two at the national level. So I'm going to start with Illinois. This is the one I'm most familiar with. Um, I live here. So that's a start. But also, the Illinois bill, the right to read bill, ties state funding of libraries to their commitment to intellectual freedom. So for school libraries and public libraries to get Certain state aid and certain state grants, they have to have a provision in their policies that they do not ban books, that they adhere to ALA's, you know, intellectual freedom standards, which are essentially First Amendment rights. Um, it's passed the House and the Senate, and Pritzker has talked about ban books before, so none of us are worried about him like signing All off right. on this, um, which is great. Like this is a great bill, and I think it approaches the topic in a way that. People who are not super invested in this or know what's going on get it. Oh yeah, it's bad to ban books. Like, good move by the state. Yeah, um, it's very,
1: it's just, it's very plain spoken. As these, I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the it, this is not like intellectual academic gymnastics. It's it's very yeah. sort of, you know, very simple. Not not jingoistic necessarily, but a memorable pitch. It's like people should be able to read books. It's like people, yeah, are for think, that too. But.
2: and I think it helps too that. The way that illinois is structured is our state librarian is the secretary of state so our state librarian is not a librarian it's somebody who's a politician um that goes Mm -hmm. both ways and i think in the case here it works well because he's able to explain it in a in a way that's less like tied to libraries if that makes sense
1: um right he knows how to translating spin it into a lingua franca right it's not speaking librarianese mm-hmm. to other librarians yeah that, yeah. that matters in, all yeah. This, in any case like this to speak a more you know generally to use language that's more generally understandable interesting
2: right so that's the illinois one um i suspect it'll pass we shouldn't have a problem with that uh passing the next one this one just hit In mid-April, in New York, it's State Senate Bill 6350, and it would amend the state education law to mandate that schools and libraries provide access to a broad range of materials to all students. So basically, it would require policies to say that a wide range of materials are available to students, and specifying that would help protect collections in theory. Um, Because they would not be able to be dictated by a small, well-funded, vocal minority who are suggesting that a library should look a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, This one's in in the Senate Education Committee as of the last time I checked. Um, So I don't know if it'll actually go anywhere or what the reality is of this one passing through this legislative season. But um, it's there. It's Mm -hmm. being talked about. And I think that it Provides a pretty good template for folks to use in terms of like writing their own senators, writing their own, um, yeah. you know, legislators. And then um, the third state one is Rhode Island House Bill 6066. And this one is complicated because um, what this does is it amends the obscenity law basically and does so in a way that. Still allows people to claim that they're obscene, pornographic, all the words that they love to use, books in libraries and in schools, except library workers and educators who are being attacked for this would not be able to be sued um, for having obscene material. So, you know, it protects the workers, but it doesn't actually do much else
1: um yeah it's like saying well you can't get busted for dealing weed but it's not decriminalizing weed right it's there you go the, perfect the
2: example yeah. yeah um not that this are to
1: weed whatever your opinion but that's that's the kind of the structure
2: yeah um you know this one stalled in house committee it's been there since mid-march so who knows if it's going to do anything but again Something you know, like it's it's at this point where something at this point feels good, um, yeah. even if it's not great. And then a couple at the federal level is the U.S. Right to Read Act. This one actually was proposed last fall, but everybody knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. It was a lame duck session; like nothing was going to happen. It's back, and basically, what this one does is it would provide that there are school libraries across the country and help give money to grow these school libraries. So that's part one. Part two is this provision that they're adding that would require libraries to note that they are spaces of first amendment rights granted to all. And I kind of love this. I love that they want mm-hmm. to encode the first amendment constitutional rights to all in these school libraries. Um, that is a piece of this puzzle that's been missing. And when you think about the ways that the book banners have been using the Constitution to have materials pulled, yeah. invoking the Constitution, saying that those books need to stay, I think is, is what needs to happen at this point. Um, we'll go further. I don't know. Um, this session maybe is a little bit more possible than last session. Mm-hmm. But again, like we'll we'll see. Um, for anybody who wants to write that one down or look it up, it's just the u s. Right to Read Act. Um, it's bicameral, so both um, in the House and the Senate right now. And then the final one, this one I, you know, something that I think is getting missed right now, just because there is not enough time. there are not enough people. There is not enough energy is in this swell of school and library banning, prison censorship hasn't stopped. Um, it's oh, continued. God. It's still it's still huge. And this particular act, again at the federal level, would is called the Prison Libraries Act. And it would ensure that there are prisons. Um, with libraries which is awesome um it would authorize 60 million dollars over six years for state prisons to provide library resources and services and that's the key part so it's not just Mm going to be dumping a ton of books into a space it's going to have a trained professional there who could help people experiencing incarceration to have access to material and access to knowledge um I love this, and I think that it is well past time. It's not going to change the fact that so many of these prisons are private-run and do whatever the heck they want to do, um, but it will help so many people, too. Um, And so you take the good with the bad here. Um, It's better than nothing, and I think that the people who will benefit from this will then turn around and be able to help advocate for making better for more people. Um so we'll we'll see. Those are the the ones that are hanging out right now. Um Yeah, it's you know, I'm I'm at this point where I don't feel positive and I haven't felt positive about censorship stuff for a long time now. Mm-hmm. But so many people talk about and these are people who are working in libraries and in schools right now say, you know, It doesn't feel like we're moving the needle. It doesn't feel like we're winning this. It doesn't feel good now. But what does Mm. feel good and what's important is that we are documenting this and that at the end of the day, we'll be able to say we fought. We did the right thing. You know, we're on the right side of history. We've documented Mm. all of this so that, you know, we're the worst to happen. Nobody could say that people were not speaking out. People were not speaking Mm. up because that's a straight up lie. Um, Yeah. Uh, I have the opportunity, and I'm really excited about this, the um, students at Central York uh, School District in Pennsylvania, they protested book bans in 2021. They came together and created this organization. It's a student social justice group. And they protested book bans. Again, this was like September 2021. Mm-hmm. They were successful in protesting. They showed up every day before school protested. Well, that group is protesting again because book bans are back and their organizers have said, like, these kids are super interested in talking and sharing. So I've reached out to them and um, we should hear from them sometime soon. And I'm going to give them space on the site to talk because I think, like, as much as I hate that young people have to do this, they shouldn't have to, um, I think it's important that they – Get the space to to talk and to share because it's it's them who are being impacted here. You know that's right. And that's right. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, like that's who we need to listen to. Um, who we need to support. Who we need to amplify. <sighs> that's really all I've got. It's just you know. Yeah.
1: I mean, it- <laughs> so to go to look, go to those specifics too, and we've talked about. Um, I remember the first time. Any of this was on my radar in a real way when I did an episode for the old annotated show about drag queen s- story hour. Mm-hmm. Right, like that was mm-hmm. my first real, really getting. And, and I haven't done. Let me. I'm not putting myself in the same love as you, But like when I really like this is a real thing. I'm. I'm just being honest here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. These are real people, and I spoke to individual people in libraries, and they were being you know picketed, and yep. I think more, they were their lives and bodies were more on the line than even I thought then. You know, I thought they were, but in mm-hmm. hindsight, I think I was even naive then. And the thing that I think you have been really – the, the meta, one of the meta pieces you've been trumpeting is that – kind of like the thoughts and prayers about guns here is a similar thing. It's like thoughts and prayers don't work with this. These are people mm-hmm. – the other side is extremely well organized and extremely motivated mm-hmm. and extremely on the ground. And you can't mm-hmm. – combat that with go buy my book at the bookstore that just got banned or people can get Mm -hmm. in other places or celebrities or other I think well-meaning people even if naive Mm -hmm. saying we Mm -hmm. shouldn't do this because that's not where this battle is fought right this battle is fought in community library spaces at board meetings local elections local local laws Um, Because what's happened is, you know, and tell me if I've got this grossly correct, is that these real extremists have found a weak point in our system when it comes to this sort of thing. And they're flooding the zone with challenges, with words, with vitriol, with garbage 1984-like language about, you know, freedoms. And whatever whatever you want to say, those of us on the left were ill prepared for this, even after all the trump stuff i don 't know how we missed this i 'll just say it again. We missed this that this was a this was a chink in the armor. I think it was because we saw, and I and Rebecca and I were talking about this last week. we saw the number of books by queer people, by people about color, by queer people of color going up, being more value, you know being more available from publishers. Publishers say what you will it 's better than it used to be ten years ago about the availability and just the the of these titles to be printed, literally printed and available. Mm-hmm. And maybe rested on our laurels, maybe thought that was enough, maybe didn't realize how vulnerable. And, and I'm looking at Oregon, right? And all states are like this. There's no, no, your state isn't so blue, which is why I think this. Mm-hmm. even these laws in blue states are useful because it protects the people that don't live in blue counties or blue school mm-hmm. districts, right? Because Oregon, mm-hmm. you get six miles out of Oregon, and it's Trump-signed city. Right, even though Oregon's mm-hmm. not really at play in a national landscape, those places need protection, right? And they can, and they can, yeah. and what is that protection? It's laws and its bills, and its local codes and its local elected officials. And hashtag re- I read ban- or wearing a t shirt that says I read banned books, or having a koozie that says I read banned bo- books. That's not going to do anything. And it, you got That's just gotta consumerism. Write. That's just consumerism, and it makes you feel good. And maybe I'm a part of this. But it's it's happens locally and happens you got if you want something to happen differently, you gotta do something different. And that's hard to hear mm-hmm. because it's a pain in the mm-hmm. ass. And ain't none of these rooms fun, Kelly. Ain't none of these rooms fun no. to show up in. No. So anyway, and, I just want to reiterate that's one thing I continue to try to remember that you keep saying. It's like you gotta write. You gotta show up. And whatever it may you gotta be a part of the fight and it's not it's not the thing that's easy. It's flipping hard, man. Right. I'm not telling you, right. I'm telling the people listening.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, I know. And you know, I I shared this story on Twitter a couple weeks ago, and, like, this blew up, and I just thought, you know, this is not a feel-good story. Like, don't use this as your feel-good story. But the story goes, um, I'm part of a progressive parent group in my county, and somebody in there said that one of their kids wanted to start a um, GSA, so a Gay-Straight Alliance, uh, Gender-Sexuality Alliance, At the local middle school in my town. But they had gotten a sponsor. It was all going good. Uh, But Mm -hmm. the sponsor started getting all kinds of hate messages. From a particular sect of people in this community. Now these people were sitting on Facebook. In their little group. Just ripping apart this group. Talking about how it's indoctrination. They figured out when the group was having their first meeting. And they talked about going. These are adults who talked about going to a meeting. That middle schoolers were going to have. To, to intimidate them. And I said, look, here's what's got to happen is y'all got to show up to the board meeting. Um, first of all, legally, the school has to provide it. There is a law that says if a group in a secondary education school wants to start a GSA, they have to. The school has to allow that to happen. Um, middle school falls under secondary schools. So, you know, one, legally, they have to do this. Two, you need to show up because you need to have your voice heard in that room. If that means you write a letter, you write a letter. Here's all the school board members. If that means you can go in person, you go in person. Here's the thing. The school board got tons of letters, including to the teacher um, who was going to be the sponsor of this group, saying, like, yes, please do this. We support this. This is what our community is about. And... None of the people who were complaining showed up to the board meeting when they found mm. out that all of the supporters were showing up. So supporters showed up. It's Classic they bully spoke. behavior,
1: right? When there's a little push, right? They wilt like right. Wilt like um, flowers in the in the desert. It does right. right. It's a good point. Yeah.
2: So you know, P flag showed up. We have a local chapter of PFLAG. flag. They showed up. Um, tons of parents showed up, and they talked. They talked to the school board and said, "Look." Our kids deserve this group. These people who are creating all of this nonsense do not speak on behalf of the mo- majority mm. of the community. And they do not speak on behalf of me, who has a kid who wants to do this. That's so right. the board the board agreed. The board is letting the group go through. And you know a lot of people took this as a feel-good story because at the end, the good guys win. That's not the story. The story is that people showed up and the complainers did not. And if you want to make any change, you have to show up. You can't just mm-hmm. say you're going to do it. You know, I I like it. It makes me so mad because we have given people the tools to do this. We've given them the letters. We've given them the templates. Mm-hmm. We've given them like literally you don't have to do any work except sign your name and put the names of people who you need to write to in it. If people can't do that, we're not getting anywhere. Um, and... One of the comments that came to me after the situation at the high school was from a local business owner who said to me one day, I didn't know that was happening at the schools. And I said, well, why would you? It wasn't reported in the paper. That's right. And she looked at me and she's like, huh, well, how am I supposed to know that if nobody's talking about it? I said, that's the problem is there's not a method for your Ability to get this information. This all happened on Facebook dot com in a private Facebook group. Yep. You know, that's like right. so. How do we tell people who aren't sitting online doing this what's going on and get them to show up? Because she wanted to be there. She wanted to say something, but she had no idea it was happening. Um, and I don't have an answer to that. You know, I.
1: <sighs> yeah, I mean, I it's, it's a fight fire with fire thing, right? Like you have to be as well organized as the other side because they are on mm-hmm. Facebook. They're they're keeping track, like. <sighs> No one's business of what the books are and who the people are, and they're on alert and they're high alert and they're zealots and it's their hobby. And Mm -hmm. that is that kind of passion is hard to combat if you are, I don't know, a reasonable person trying to live your life, but also think you shouldn't ban books. It's hard to right. have that kind of passion. It just is. I mean, I'm speaking for myself here. Yeah. And oh, we, yeah. You shouldn't have to do this, right? I mean, th- th- you say right. this all the time. It's right, like, We didn't do this. It's not our fault. It's not the kid's fault. But practically speaking, to have a win like that takes doing things you don't want to do. It just does. It just mm-hmm. does. It just does. There's a, you shouldn't have to do, uh, but it just does. There's
2: a passage I keep coming back to again and again in... Um, Matthew Desmond's just released book, Poverty by America. And he talks I need to about get to how... Sorry, go
1: ahead. Sorry, I, Oh, I, it's I, so good. that
2: He talks about, you know, we're the richest country in the world, and yet we are the most impoverished. We have the most people in poverty, and we don't do anything to help alleviate the situation. And he talks about how this is an issue of both the left and the right. The right doesn't want to grant the sort of um, social nets to help make this happen. The left, Mm -hmm. on the other hand, just likes complaining about it on Twitter, but doesn't actually follow through on any actions. And he talks about how how, um, during the pandemic, there was the moratorium on evictions, and it was the most effective um, act that has gone through to help alleviate poverty. Bipartisan support on this one. However nobody wrote to say that they liked this nobody told the politicians this was a great act so when it was time for it to come to an end it came to an end because nobody was speaking up about it and that was chilling you know to Mm. read that and realize the reason that these things end, the reason that we can't have good things is because you know people who think they are doing the right thing or people who believe in the right thing aren't using their voices to say, this is the right thing, keep it up. And so I'm tying this back into these these right-to-read bills. You know, I don't think they're perfect. I don't think they're great. However, I think that those should be wake-up calls for people both in these states and across the country, even in states that have passed these draconian anti- you know mm-hmm. LGBTQ these draconian book ban bills you need to be writing to your politicians you need to be writing to them and saying look this is great please keep doing the good thing or i can't believe you passed this don't ever expect my vote again you don't speak right. on behalf of me you know like you have to spend the time it sucks it's not fun it sucks, but give yeah. Your, yeah. you know but put it on your calendar 20 minutes a day di- you know a week whatever mm-hmm. Just use form letters like you don't even have to reinvent the wheel here, but like you got to show up. you got to do the work and it's not going to get better, you know, until until more people know what's going on and can do the same thing.
1: Well, and I think one thing that these overarching state level laws are a part of is just making it so it's not frictionless for a couple of people, a couple of bigots mm-hmm. to show up and get all the books tossed out. And I think it's going to be like, yep. just make it a little bit harder in like nine different ways. And maybe yeah. some of it will go away of its own accord. There's not one solution, right? I, I just there isn't. The, right. the, the locals, mm-hmm. every locality is so different and so specific, and there's so many books and individual actors that there isn't any kind of like if we just did X, then all this would stop. But it's going to be mm-hmm. a little bit of it's going to be a little bit of this, and we're going to make it a little bit harder here, and a few more people will show up, and there's a little bit more protection here, and that can have a multiplicative effect because, as you say. Or as, I, as your story, I think elucidates, is part of the reason is that this is happening is because it's pretty easy for right wing activists to do. It's too easy for mm-hmm. them to do. We've made it too easy mm-hmm. for them to do, and we just need to make it. We need to keep making it a little bit harder, um, mm-hmm. a little bit harder here and a little bit harder there. And I, you know, I think it's a winning issue um, in a lot of, in a lot of places, even at the national level. Um, I mm-hmm. think it's a winning issue that if if packaged correctly most common like ind- i hate to do this thing of like catering to independent voters but i also like to win elections kelly but like i think most mm-hmm. people kind of get it like this doesn't make any sense yeah we shouldn't be and, doing
2: this and as i as i like to say traditional conservatives don't like this they're about no, small they government <laughs>
1: small, yeah, about small you know yeah.
2: small government is not about going into the library and pulling out the books like that is yeah. not what this is about so you know i think it's it's a very specific branch of right-wing um activists quote unquote Mm -hmm. who who are you know doing a lot of this um and if i could end with like one more positive i think is coming out of this and i hate that this is a positive but just in my own experience i'm seeing that more and more libraries um and i can't speak to schools because i'm not as aware how that works Mm -hmm. there but more and more libraries are starting to pay attention to the mental health of their employees um and I think that this has been a huge wake-up call to the reality of working with the public and the reality of working in a situation where your job is so politicized, even though that's not why you got into the job. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at the end of the day, you know, I, I think that there are more discussions happening about that. And I, I think that there is going to be a wave of change just in how people are treated in the workplace with each other and that is not Mm. a bad thing um you know i I think especially as people realize that their colleagues are the queer brown people whose books are being pulled from shelves and those are people you know books are are important but it's not about the books it's about the person sitting next to you who is literally being teared apart every single day in the media and then treated like garbage when they're at work and how can you, with any privilege you have, make their life just a little
1: bit better? Just a little bit, yeah. Just take the edge off, or some one part of the edge. Yeah. Off, um, to yeah, yeah. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we're gonna we're kicking the rest of the stories of the curb. Rebecca, will have to clean up for us. <laughs> oh wait, I'm gonna be on that too. But while we had you here, um, I'm glad we spent some time doing this. I'm gonna link to the stories we talked about here. But Kelly also has some durable resources. Um, That I've linked to before in the show notes, but you can find them here. Doesn't doesn't hurt to put them back again, Um, and you know I I don't know as a as a as a you know if you're listening to this show, you care about books probably three orders of magnitude more than most people in your community. I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. I'm just gonna make that as a guess.
2: I would say more like ten, honestly. So (laughs) probably more like ten. And this
1: is not to put too fine a point on it, but like. If you're not doing something and you think something should be done, who sh- who do you think is going to do it? Mm-hmm. Someone else mm-hmm. that listens to a book podcast. And I'm not I'm not accused. It's hard, man, and I've got my own work to do. I think Kelly's the only one here that doesn't have more work to do. Right? She's she's doing her part. Um, but you know, like there's not there there isn't there aren't any more adults around here, man. It's just us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's just the mm-hmm. truth of the matter. Um, and you might think about you know maybe ask your school librarian. Is there a way to keep in you know to keep in touch if something comes up? Ask your local library you can be you know look at kelly 's toolkit, write your people you know um, because the, there's no there's no there's no adults in the room other than us, and I think that's hard to understand that was something that was hard to me understand growing up it's hard for me to understand now, but it 's the truth um, anyway Kelly, we'll talk to you again when Brittany's book come out, and I'm sure we'll have yes. all kinds of other kinds of things to say. <laughs> Um, do you have a favorite of a favorite of these? Well let's, let's get on on something a little bit lighter. Uh, a favorite sub so remember was the Paris one? It's you like the Jessica Simpson. Well these are all recency because I heard you talking about them. but is there something mm-hmm. in the Pantheon that I don't know about that you're like, oh yeah, this is this is the high I'm looking to chase when I open one of these up. Uh,
2: no, I just you know I I will say the thing that I really like and the thing that I look for is that the audiobook is performed by the there person you go
1: 1,000 percent. 1, so
2: percent. I loved listening to Paris tell her story. I loved listening to Jessica tell her story. Brittany better be telling her story. And I was going to say uh, Brittany phrase, but I know it would get us censored. Just imagine what it is.
1: <laughs> okay. I think, I think I've think i got – yeah, I think if um, we get any rumblings <laughs> that um, someone else is narrating that book, we're going to have to start a letter writing campaign. Luckily, you can repurpose yep. your letter writing and activist yep. um, playbook <laughs> to, uh, to, to something a little less uh, – a little lower stakes. Um, you can find <laughs> show notes to this and all back episodes of the Book Riot Podcast at bookriot.com slash listen. You can email us, me, I'm the one that checks the email, podcast at bookriot.com. Go check out First Edition. Go check out liter- um, li- Literary Activism. Kelly yep. captains that newsletter for us. That's a very good way to keep that's a very good way to see the kinds of things that are happening out there. There's so much happening that we can't cover. It's just impossible to cover local things, but you can see the kinds of things. Maybe there's someone – maybe someone you know is one of these jurisdictions that might care about knowing this. Um, a really good resource there as well. Go check out the Patreon to see the summer draft and also first edition to see the May It book. I'll, I'll tease this. The My pick – both Rebecca and I agreed – That our pick for the best guess of the It Book of May comes out next week. It's a May 16th release. That's what we call a tease in the business. So you can go, you have to go listen to that over on first edition for free. I've also got an um, uh, episode I'm very excited about coming out next week uh, that it's not something I've ever done before. I talked to an author that has sold more books than any author I've ever talked to before (laughs) in my life doing this. So. Thank you so much, Kelly. Well have, it's, We're not going to wait eight years to have you back. We've got to have you come back some other time. Oh, and, and I should yeah, say, but- that, gosh darn it, I forgot this. Kelly and Vanessa joined me on First Edition to talk about Are You There, Got it to Me, Margaret. Yes. A wonderful time. You've seen the movie. 30 seconds on I the movie, it. Kelly. Then I swear I'll let you go.
2: <laughs> okay. Um, it's great. And it is very much about transitions in life. We're talking not just what happens with Margaret, but what happens with her mother, what happens with their grandmother, and... It's one of those films that is definitely an intergenerational film. So young people will love it. Older people will love it. You don't have to have read the book to love it, uh, but it is very faithful to the the source text.
1: Wonderful.